Hello, podcast listeners. This is episode 50 of Songs for the Struggling Artist, the blogcast. It is the 5-0. I feel like that's kind of a, what is that, like a landmark a little bit? I don't know, goalpost, something. 50. That's 50. Um, so that's, that's exciting. Maybe someone should give me a cake. I'm going to have a cake for the 50th episode of a podcast. Is that a thing? Or maybe there's like a greeting card for the 50th episode. I don't know. There's probably so many freaking podcasts out there now. There probably is a greeting card. Hallmark is like, let's get in on this podcasting money situation. (laughs) There's not, there's no money in it. Uh, So yeah, 50th, 50 episodes. La-di-da-di-da. That's kind of cool. Um, So quick question before I read you this blog, um, which is a little bit, uh, a few weeks old now. Um, but before I do that, I'm wondering, so I just heard this rumor that SoundCloud's about to tank. Um, and that's where, that's who's kind of hosting my, my blogcast. That's where I have all the tracks. Um, and I was just considering like, paying them a bunch of money to be able to keep more podcasts uploaded because I am now in the situation where I have to delete them in order to post new ones. So if you're like, hmm, I wonder what episode seven was like or eight, um, you won't find them because they have been deleted. Um, I still have them, you know, in my computer, but um, there is no public place for them. Um, Anyway... So my question for you is, do you know of another good place to host a podcast? If you do, let me know, because I'm, I'm, uh, I'm thinking SoundCloud, I'm going to, I mean, maybe it's just a rumor, fingers crossed, but it might not be a good long-term solution if we want to get to like the hundredth episode where there's definitely a cake. <laughs> maybe by the time I get to 100, there will be a thing where you, where you get a podcast or a cake when they get to hundred episodes. Um, so, that aside, uh, this blog I'm about to read to you is, uh, about, um, a show that I saw, uh, that blew my mind. That was really fantastic. It's nice to be writing about something I love rather than something that makes me mad. Mostly I write about things that make me mad, so it's a nice change of pace to be able to, to write a little love letter to something Um, so yeah, it's called Why Giving Up Art is Not an Option, and it's inspired by a production of Indecent, which recently received a lovely reprieve. It was due to close pretty much right after I wrote this thing, um, it announced it was closing, and then, um, and then it got, it got like a new lease on life, and it's not going to close until August 6th, so catch it if you can. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to about to read you about why. The actors stood up, and I started crying. The house lights went down to start the show, and moments later, I was moved. It took a moment to shake me out of my familiar world. But it wasn't just the moment, of course. There was a world of history behind the moment. It was the skill and finesse of a lifetime of theatrical practice that knew how to bring that world into a moment. It took extraordinary sensitivity 
to make something so simple, so powerful. It took mastery. After giving me such a powerful moment right out of the gate, I thought there might not be anything as good as this in the rest of this show. But if this is all it has to offer, it would be enough. But it was definitely not all it had to offer. I saw a play that exquisitely resurrected the past while shining light on our present. It made me weep so often I wished I'd brought a box of tissues with me. And I almost never cry in the theater. All around me, I heard the quiet sound of other people taken over by their emotions. When it was over, the audience did not leap to its feet. On Broadway, a standing ovation is practically a reflex, but this Broadway audience was too moved to leap to its feet. Many of us were too moved to move at all. An usher had to ask us to vacate our seats. A transformative art experience is not always met with cheers. In fact, if you've really struck an audience to the soul, they will likely not be able to hoot and holler. A transformative art experience is usually so personal to an audience that they may not be keen to talk about it. They may not tell all their friends. They may just want to keep it to themselves. A transformative art experience may not draw a crowd. It may not generate a profit for its producers. It may not make a big noise. It may shine briefly in the firmament before winking into memory. But it will continue to do its transformative work for a long time after it has faded. The magic of Indecent is that it both shows us that story of continuation and is likely to be that story as well. The marketing department for the show seems to be trying to boost sales to this show by talking about why hashtag art matters. And while this is perfectly in line with what I took from the show, a hashtag feels like such a diminishment of what is actually at stake. This is not a hashtag sort of experience. It's not an Instagram moment. It's not suited for 140 characters. But certainly art matters. And this show helps remind us how much it can matter. And aside from all the mattering it does, it also made me want to keep working at being a better artist. Indecent helped me see how a lifetime in the theater could refine and invigorate the form. There are so many moments in my theater life that make me want to give up, that make me question whether I've dedicated my life to the wrong art. Over the years, I've seen so much crap, so much compromise, so much ego, so much selling out, so much shady dealing, so much sexism, so much racism, so much shouting, so much soullessness. There have been so many times that I've wondered why I continue to let theater break my heart. Because theater breaks my heart pretty much every time I put on another show, and each time I do, I ask myself again, why do I do this? Why do I put myself through this agony? Why do I think I love theater when it clearly doesn't love me? And then I saw this show and I remembered why. If I write plays that no one but me wants to produce with any regularity, if I direct plays that I can't convince many people to see, if I devise work that only touches a handful of people, that doesn't make me a failure. That makes me an artist on a journey. The experience of seeing this show reminded me of a truth that I find I have to return to again and again, that worth is not equivalent to popularity. 
This show moved me, not because it is on Broadway, but because it is a collaboration of artists working at the height of their powers. It shows me that I could make the best work of my life over 20 years from now. That even though I have often felt that my prime has passed, I have to my regret internalized that only young women are valuable, my prime is much more likely to be in the future. I learned from my seat in the balcony that a lifetime in the theater could distill an artist into the clearest, most concise expression of theatricality. I see that time, rather than just battering me and graying my hair, might distill this cluster of longings and ideas and furies and hopes into something transformative, not just for me, but for an audience. In a world wherein I often feel that I've seen all the tricks, that I've had all the glitter fall from my eyes to reveal the familiar old men behind all the curtains, this show gave me hope and surprise. It reminds me of Rebecca Solnit's essay, Protest and Persist, Why Giving Up Hope is Not an Option, which explores how change really happens. In it, Solnit unpacks how an initial movement for change may fail in its immediate goals but that the change achieved by future generations is built directly on the work of our predecessors. It is the same in art. The God of Vengeance, which Indecent invokes, was on Broadway for a blink in time, but that blink was a pebble in a pond that echoed to create something new and potent in a time when we needed it. I don't know if Indecent will get a long run, I hope so, though I worry about those empty seats behind me on a Friday. But even if it closes tomorrow, it will have dropped a mighty art pebble into the art pond. And the ripples will be rippling for years after the artists are gone. This show gave me the long view at a time when it feels like we are, we are in an ever alarming, ever panicked present moment. And it showed me that though we very well might be forgotten when we are gone, or even forgotten while we are here, someone somewhere in the future might re resurrect us for their transformative art. We keep creating in the darkest hours. We make because we must, because something captivates us, even if it breaks our hearts. So, see Indecent, if you can. Uh, you might even be able to get tickets on TDF if you're a theater maker in, uh, in, in the city. <sighs> yeah, go, go if you can. It's worth it. It's worth, if you, even if you can't. If you can't get cheap tickets, get expensive ones. It's worth it. Um, so, yeah, Indecent. Check it out. Tell them I sent you. <laughs> Uh, I feel like I should see it again now that it's not closing immediately. Um, I, I feel like I might try and get myself back there. Probably be good for my little heart. So, song. This is uh, Fields of Joy by Lenny Kravitz. Um, and it's a joyful song. I think it's also a song about kind of, I don't know, it feels like a song about kind of sensual pleasures and whatnot. Um, but in, art, in an artistic way, maybe, um, which I, I thought would be nice here at the end of this blog. 
um, because it may sound like from my description that the that it's all like sad but part of the crying is like joy like there's a lot of really joyful moments in the show um, and, and and it's about you know love as well so we get some love and some joy and some nature which is not so much in the show but you know <laughs> uh, so this is Fields of Joy Slowly through the fields Slowly, slowly 